Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, I want you to go ahead and stand with me while you're happy. Hold your Bibles up high. Come on, some of y'all slow today. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Always remember the power of the words that you speak. We say things not just that hurt other people, but we say a lot of things that hurt us in our future. So speak well of yourself and to yourself. I want to take a moment and speak well of some very special women who kicked off the Beth Moore Bible study, starting with my beautiful wife. Thank you, honey. Give her a hand. She's, uh, she worked tirelessly to put all this together and uh, with a great team of hospitality people from Ardella to Suli to Amber to, to Shelly, Nikita, to Denise, to I'll probably leave some out, but just to name a few people that, that really stepped up and made this night absolutely spectacular. Nearly 100 women showed up, and, and so women, it's not too late uh, it, to get signed up. You can sign up today or just come a week from this Wednesday night. Uh, it's the first and third Wednesday. Now, there will be exceptions to that a couple of times, but uh, we'll let you know about those. But want to encourage you women to, to really be here for that. And then this Wednesday night, guys, is it's guys' night, all right? This Wednesday, men, 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 you're not as cool as you think you are, so quit putting it on, okay? You know, men grunt and they don't clap. That's not cool. They don't cry. Men ought to cry. I may make you cry today. But I, I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. Uh, I will be teaching this Wednesday night, and uh, those of you that have given your life to Christ, you say, well, how are you helping us? This is an integration of personal development at every level, and so it's not just those who are older in Christ, and we're not going to be jumping to these extreme uh, teachings that, that leave you out. If you're a new Christian, this is really going to help you. Uh, this actually is, is kind of filling in uh, where we had the Next Step program last fall, I'll be teaching on where do I go from here if you're a new Christian. So uh, we want to encourage you to, to really make these Wednesday nights a priority. We know that you have a lot of things going on, as do we, and Susan and I have restructured our entire lives for these Wednesday nights, and we are both going to plan to be here every Wednesday night. I came last Wednesday, to, and I sat out in the lobby and played security, and uh, I want to get paid what we pay the police officer. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, was, uh, it was a great, great night. And so I want to encourage you to, to be here this Wednesday night. Well, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And this will be the last sermon in the series, Killing Giants. And those of you that are here for the first time this month, we've been doing this series since the first Sunday in February, that we all have giants in our lives. And we began talking about the giant of self. Um, that most often uh, nobody else or nothing else is the problem. We're the problem. You say, well, somebody has hurt me. Somebody did something to me. Our response to what someone did 
is what destroys the giant that keeps us from enjoying the life that we are called to live. I hear people all the time say, you make me mad. I wouldn't be this way if it wasn't for you. And I'm thinking, you've given way too much authority and power to other people. Uh, you, you have no idea. And we all say, well, you know, I, I got my feelings hurt. I get that. What are you going to do once they're hurt? Are you going to live with them? Because if you do, that's a Goliath in your life. And remember, if there's a giant before you, there's a David within you. And so you don't have to sit around your whole life and allow the giants to speak to you and tell you all the things you're not when the Bible tells you all the things that you are. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the image and likeness of God. Uh, that you don't have to live your life with giants taunting you week after week. And then last week I spoke about the giant of depression. That in our lives, uh, in the church world especially, we've not addressed the issue of mental illness you say, well, you know, I'm not mentally ill. At some point, all of us have experienced mental illness, just like all of us have had a cold. Physical illness, we don't say it's debilitating, it's forever. But in a moment, we find ourselves uh, in that moment uh, having a difficult time with how we think. It's a mental illness. And so oftentimes that mental illness, if it goes untreated or unaddressed, can become extreme depression, which can then control your life. And so what we talked about last week was how to address the giant of depression. This week, I'm going to talk about the giant of limitation. And um, in all of our lives, we all have limitations in certain areas. Now, that we know, we know some people don't think they do. Some people think they're the best at everything. They're, that's called defeating self-deception, killing that giant. But we all have limitations, and sometimes we give our entire lives uh, to trying to overcome limitations instead of realizing that that limitation might be the platform to something greater or just going, you know what, I'm not going to focus on my limitations. I'm going to focus on the things God's uh, put in me to do. And so we're going to address that, killing that giant. And in Luke chapter 19... It's one of the great stories in the Bible, in my opinion, because we know, for starters, that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. If you've ever been in children's Sunday school, wee little Zacchaeus. And, you know, when we get to heaven, I'm sure Zacchaeus is going to have a conversation with many of us because we talked about how little he was. And Zacchaeus certainly had limitations, not just his physical structure, but his chosen profession also created limitations in his life. So many of us are born with limitations, and most often, so many times, we create our own limitations. In other words, if you're not nice, and you're not polite, and you're not kind, people don't want to be around you. So it limits the joy in your life and the influence in your life because you're just mean. Now, I know in a politically correct world, we're not supposed to say things like you're just mean. We say something like, well, not quite as polite maybe as we could be. No, you're just stinking mean. They're just mean people. Every now and then you just look at them and go, you know, you're just mean. Now, when I say that, to me, you'd say, well, that's brash. But I was telling Susan yesterday, some of the greatest changes in my life came when somebody addressed a limitation either that I didn't see or was unwilling to address myself. And so sometimes uh, it really helps us when somebody says something to us that in that moment may be hurtful, but in the long run it's going to be helpful. 
And in this world of political correctness, the reason the world's going crazy is because there is no accountability for stupidity. So when someone says it like it is, we, we take offense to it instead of saying, you know, thank you for pointing out my stupidity. I, Susan asked me yesterday, she said, well, can you name a couple of times? I said, I said, I certainly can. They were life-changing moments for me. And I could have said, well, you know, I'm never going to talk to that person again, when in reality what I realized was they had spoken truth to me that I could not deny Now, unless I lied to myself. And I went, you know, I want to take what they said to heart and see if it's going to release me from some of the limitations that are on my life and cause other people maybe to expand my influence because I have chosen to overcome the limitation. Now, in Luke chapter 19, it says in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, in this day, uh, tax collectors were also called tax farmers. They were hated by the people. And so that was a limitation because Zacchaeus, by being self-absorbed, had limited himself from having influence and friendship. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So now we see not only a vocational uh, problem or a limitation because of vocation, but now a limitation because of his physical structure and status. He says, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. This is what I love about Jesus. One of my favorite passages of scripture, he went to be the guest of a sinner. You see, Jesus knew Zacchaeus' limitation and why he had limitations. And Jesus was not afraid of Zacchaeus or what the, the people thought about it. He saw Zacchaeus and saw somebody who had chosen to live below what he had created him to live. Now, I don't know how many of you think this way, but ask yourself the question, am I living my best life? Am I living the life that Jesus paid for me to live? Am I living my life for others? Am I living the life my parents told me I need to live? Or that oftentimes your parents told you, this is as good as it gets for our family. And that put up a limitation for you because you heard what they said and you believed what they said. When I got born again, I didn't know much about the Bible because when I was young, pretty much the only Bible out there was King James, and all the pastors I knew thought that the King James Bible was the only Bible that was really authorized by God himself. And, and that was a great injustice because nobody can read the King James and understand it. And if you think you do, that's a limitation for you. It's very difficult to understand that language. 
And so when I got born again, I bought a New American Standard Bible, eventually began reading out of the New International Version, which according to theologians is the best translation from the original language that there is. And, uh, you know, some old-line pastors would argue that, but they're not theologians. And so I went to this one scripture in Philippians, and it, it read like this, I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Now, that God put that scripture in me because there were so many limitations on my life based on how I grew up, where I grew up, uh, my family history, and all of those things played a role and will always play a role in our lives, and they will limit us. Well, you know, nobody in our family's ever gotten a college degree, for instance. Well, that was pretty much my case, and I didn't have a small family. I had a huge family. On my dad's side and my mom's side combined, there were a grand total of 14 children, and uh, I had somewhere in the neighborhood of 30-some first cousins, and I can't even tell you the second cousins, and the list goes on. And so when I look back, I can tell you out of all 30 that I am aware of, when I began to go to college, there were only two of my cousins that had a bachelor's degree out of 30-some. Most never even went to college. I think one of them had an associate's degree. So when I began to step into college seriously and pursue my degree, it was not applauded by my parents. As a matter of fact, they looked at me and said, we're not going to help you. And so there, again, is a limitation. Now, I could sit there and look at the limitation in the conversation I had with them, and I could buy into that conversation. And please understand, you can say, well, that's terrible of your parents to say that. It's really not. That's where they lived. That's where they were. They weren't trying to be mean. They really weren't. They just didn't have a vision for what I had a vision for. They didn't see that we had more in us than, than what we had. They couldn't see that because of their upbringing. And oftentimes, somebody else's history will interfere with your future. Not because they want it to, but because they can't see beyond their own limitations to help you see beyond yours. <clears throat> so it's important that we realize that the very first thing that has to happen for us to uh, kill the giant of limitation is to get a revelation of what God says about us versus what they've said to us. So often, we only rise to the level that someone told us we could rise to. People have measured you as a person, not by your capacity or your skill set, but by your ability or inability to pass exams or make grade, good grades in school. Your good grades in school may simply mean that you're bored out of your mind. Your bad grades may mean you're bored out of your mind. They don't measure your true skill set or what you can do in life. They simply tell how how uh, you did at math. And quite frankly, toward and when I got into algebra, I'm thinking an English teacher married a math teacher because how can X plus Y equal three? <laughs> when they started introducing letters into math problems, I thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Just give us the numbers. Why are you making us guess what Y stands for? Some sadistic, evil individual designed this. <clears throat> and so if you were to measure Mark Crow's future by his algebra scores, you would have said, want to supersize that? <clears throat> and so you buy into 
<coughs> what you're called to do and who you are by your grade in algebra, by your English teacher saying, well, I'm not sure you'll ever amount to anything because you've not learned how to uh, structure a sentence, be grammatically correct. I know more people that are millionaires that can't put a sentence together structurally, grammatically, but let me tell you something. They know how to touch people. They know how to help people. Let me tell you something. If you know how to love people and help people, you will never know limitations. Now, we certainly don't want you doing surgery on anybody. But if you wanted to, I bet you could overcome the limitations that you have determined are in your life somehow, some way. So when I learned the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that, went, that was my go-to. Because I had a lot of things to overcome in my life. And, uh, you know, we, we grew up in a school that was four years behind uh, most of the public schools in, in the city of Tulsa. Uh, a friend of mine uh, I grew up with in our ninth grade year, his parents moved, and uh, he left Berry Hill and went to Edison. And uh, when he got there, he was having a tough time, so they tested him. When they found out that he had come from my school, they, they, after the test, they said, you're four years behind where your class is. And so... You know, so you, you, you have to realize that we can look and we can blame the school system, we can blame the teachers, or nowadays you can't blame anybody. We have Wikipedia. We have all kinds of things online. The limitation factor or giant of limitation has been reduced by the revelation that's available to us at our fingertips. So if you're not who you want to be, you need to think about what you can be. Now that begins like in Isaiah, if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 6, it says, in the year, verse 1, that King Uzziah died, I saw exalted, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Now, what does it take sometimes to get our attention? Isaiah had a destiny to call on his life that obviously, or at least apparently, had not been completely addressed because Isaiah's response to this moment and this experience revealed a revelation of who he didn't realize he was. Make sense? He didn't realize until this moment, and God begins to reveal it to him in this bizarre way, and he says, Woe to me! I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I am among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Now, when you get a revelation, it becomes our responsibility to respond appropriately to that revelation. The Bible says to him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it's sin. 
Why? Because when he knows the right thing, it's been revealed to him, it's a revelation, then he becomes responsible for that revelation. So when somebody hears what what the Bible says, what God says, what the Word says, and we don't respond appropriately, it's not that God's angry with us. It simply means we have limited God's ability and our capacity for God to work in us. Self-imposed limitation means that we have not responded well to God's God-given revelation. And so this is what's happening to Isaiah. Then he, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Isaiah said, I will no longer be limited by my family, my upbringing, my previous understanding of who I thought I was. God has visited me and has a plan for my life. So some of you have been limited by a salary. Well, I can't leave this job because it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's all that, it's everything to me. I got to have it. Uh, one of the most wealthy men in our country put it this way. He says, salary is a bribe that has offered to you to keep you from your dreams. Salary is a bribe offered to you to keep you from your dream. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't stay in the job you're at if this is where God has you. But oftentimes, we're only where we are because we feel limited by our ability to do more or make more or get more. And you have been told by many people who have no wealth that wealth is destructive. So as a result of that, you see prosperity as negative. This is why the world has convinced many church people that the word prosperity is the P-bomb like the F-bomb. And if you don't know what that bomb is, you can Google it. <laughs> and oftentimes, people will criticize you for accessing things that they're unwilling to access, to work for things they're unwilling to work for. And that court of public opinion will limit you from God's direction. So, you have to kill the giant, not the person. Oftentimes, the problem in our lives is we're too busy criticizing the messenger who's criticizing us. And so, rather than pursuing your dream and overcoming limitations, you're fighting to get someone else to agree with you. When God's already agreed with you, you don't need anybody else's agreement. When God's already approved it, you don't need anybody else's approval. I had to make a phone call to uh, American Airlines and, and uh, change a ticket one time. And when I called, I, the, 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 the agent says, you know, gave her name and, and said, you know, how's your day? And I said, well, good, how's yours? She said, well, and she, I thought, well, here we go. I'm going to have to counsel her. And sure enough, somebody had just called in right before me, and it was a, a pretty obstinate uh, passenger. And I just said, well, you're going to have the greatest day after you get off the phone with me. I said, I just want you to know, I'm not, I, I, I said, I understand you're the messenger. And I wanted to say some idiot that's far removed from you made the policy that you're about to have to enforce. I've got 4 million miles with American Airlines. I know how this works. 
And I knew exactly, I know what change fees are before I ever call. And I just said, you know, I said, I don't expect you to work miracles. I just need your help. We had a great conversation, got off the line. I got what I wanted for 7,000 more miles, and we were all happy. We limit others' ability to even help us by how we treat them. If you want someone to treat you nice, be nice. If they continue to choose to be an idiot, be nice anyway. You're sowing seeds into your future. Meanness will limit you. Killing the giant of limitation is not just brilliance. It doesn't have to be brilliance. How you treat other people will be how other people treat you. Y'all didn't get as excited about that as I had hoped. (laughs) And you may think that you have every excuse or reason in the world. Somebody mistreated you. They talked mean to you. Well, bless God, I'll get you back. I, I can, oh, listen, I grew up knowing how to verbally banter. I could destroy you in a heartbeat. I want to say it's a gift, but and I used to think it was until I realized it was getting me nowhere, and I realized it was a curse. When you address people's perceived limitations, it will often frustrate them and make them angry. Zacchaeus had a revelation of who Jesus was. He wasn't sure, but he needed to find out for himself, so he goes and he climbs a tree. Second thing is elevation. You will have to elevate your thought life above your previous way of thinking. You'll have to come up with a new paradigm in order to Do something. Elevation is a response or a proper response to your revelation. Once you have a revelation, you will be required, if you want to see change, to do something with that revelation, which means I have to elevate the way I think. You can't keep thinking the way you've been thinking and get to the place you want to be going. I had to rethink everything in my life from how I grew up. You say, well, your parents had a wrong thought life. Maybe it was their thought life. Maybe it was exactly, maybe they thought exactly the way God wanted them to think for them. We're too worried about hurting somebody's feelings when it comes to elevating our lives. Well, you know, what are they going to think? And, you know, and I've, I've had one of my brothers come up to me one time. He said, I, he wouldn't talk to me for three years. And finally, one day, he apologized to me. He said, you know, he said, I watched you our whole life. And he said, you always had this factor I didn't have. And you know why it was? Because I can't stand depression. I can't stand negativity. I love to be happy. And when somebody's not happy, I just, I've got to elevate my happiness. You say, well, in the midst of difficulty, that's when you elevate it. If you ever want to read a good book, read Man's Search for Meaning by a man named Viktor Frankl, who was a Jew that lived through the Holocaust. And he, they ask him, how did you get through dark times seeing loved ones put in gas chambers? And, and he tells the story. It's the greatest book I read in college. There was not a greater book. Because I thought in the middle of his hell, he managed to elevate his thinking above the pain and suffering that he saw every day before him. He could have been limited by it. And he could have been bitter because of it. And he could have lived his whole life 
under the shadow of all that happened around him. Instead, he spoke to what was within him. God has created each and every one of us in his image and his likeness. And when we say we're a follower of Christ or a Christian, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And it says he will quicken, elevate our mortal bodies, and we are capable of doing more than we can think or imagine according to that power that works in us. So any limitation that you have at the end of the day is a self-imposed limitation. You can say, well, man, I, I was told certain things. I, I, was, I was restricted as a kid. I was limited by. And, and, and you can talk about all of those things you want to talk about. You know, it's, I fight it every week, say I'm limited by, you know, five years ago, whatever. And I look and say, I'm not limited by one thing in my life. I'm having the time of my life. I'm happy. I love you. I, I mean, every seat in here is going to be filled multiple times. You might, you might just get used to right now, where it is right now, but there, I'm not putting any limitations on God. I'm telling you, there are a lot of people try to limit what we're doing, and they don't mean, they're not mean. I'm not focusing on them. I'm simply saying, greater is God in me than all of the public opinion in the world. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but it, was, it got more response than any post I've ever posted, and it said, those who tried to bury you didn't realize when they did that you were a seed. And when you bury a seed, you're planting it for growth. Let me tell you something. Nobody can keep you down because Jesus came to raise you up. I could have limited myself based on uh, an incident, a past, a situation. You can always put limitations on you based on public opinion. I don't go to the court of public opinion. I go to the courtroom of my father who says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I'm glad five of you agree with me. I'm sure you need to stick around for 11. There will be more. They're actually awake. Don't be limited by your early rising. Eat coffee, eat donuts, and drink coffee. That's why they're there. I've had two cups of coffee and a Red Bull. If I die, I'll die with wings and a smile on my face. And then we'll be singing, I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll. Third thing that will need to happen, once you have a revelation and you become responsible, you have to elevate above the way you think. The third thing you have to do is separation. So I've tried to make this simple. Revelation, having a knowledge of who you are in Christ, choosing what to do with that revelation, saying, I'm going to elevate the way I think, the way I live. I'm going to elevate above my problems, my issues, my, all of those things, is separation. Now, this is where it gets difficult. Because sometimes in the midst of that revelation and, and overcoming the limitation through elevation, there will be times you have to separate yourself from the things that held you back. Now, first off, which is really quite simple, or the simplest to me, was separating my way, uh, old way of thinking. I, I was able to separate that pretty quickly because uh, I, I began to believe that God had greater things for me. Now, the hard thing was that it meant for me separating myself from some people who didn't think the way I thought. 
And, you know, they, weren't there, they, and then your thought is, well, they'll think I'm better than them or they'll think that I think I'm better than them. And you go, no, I'm not better than you. As a matter of fact, I would tell people when I got born again because of the people I ran with, they wanted to continue to live the way we lived. Well, I was trying to live differently. And I didn't want them to feel judged for the way they lived because I was right there with them. I was no better than them. But I had changed the way I thought, which means I needed to change the way I lived. And when I began to do that, there was tension because they didn't want to go where I was going now. You get these guys to go to church, it was near, well, it wasn't near impossible. They weren't going to go. So now I had a choice to make. Do I want to pursue what God has for me? I'm, again, you say, well, how do you win a lost world? Well, here's what happened. When I went on television and was preaching all over the world, come to find out a lot of people that I separated from were now watching me on TV. As a matter of fact, I did the funeral of a kid I grew up playing baseball with my whole life. And uh, his spouse, or whatever she was, we, we knew each other as well. We grew up together. And she said he would watch you on TV every Saturday night. And yet he wouldn't talk to me. He, he would listen to what I preached, but would not talk to me. And, and, and so I got the opportunity to, to speak the last words over his life. And, you know, I, I just, I, but I had to separate myself. Separation is critical to overcoming limitations. Think about it just for a moment. David's own brothers, when he approached the battle line to face Goliath, criticized David for being so confident or arrogant that he would face a giant. So David had to separate himself from the criticism of his brothers to conquer the giant that was in front of him. Now, you say, well, those are bad people trying to hold me back. Sometimes those people are the wind beneath your wings. Those are the people you need to go back. Thank you for challenging my confidence. Thank you for telling me you're crazy. Thank you. I needed to hear that because when you said it, I knew God was in it. Thank you. Don't get mad at them. Just separate yourself from the criticism and the thoughts. Don't live your life trying to convince them that you're somebody that you know you are when they'll never believe it until they see that you do. We spend way too much time trying to get other people on board with our dream, our plan, our vision, our revelation. Instead of spending most of our time going, God, I'm going to figure out ways to elevate above the limitations in my life and separate myself. From the things that would hold me back. In Hebrews 12, we're supposed to separate ourselves from the weight, the sin that so easily besets us. What are the things that beset you, that set you back, hold you back? I quit hanging around those people. Now, some of them I ended up getting around. They wanted to know more about God. And when they had that interest, I was there. I was available. I never shunned them. But I didn't want them to feel condemned being around me either. I just wanted to live my life, and at some point, they started coming back around. I've done more funerals for families that, that, uh, that they said, you know, my son really liked you. And they were, you know, we went to school together our whole lives. And, and I had the opportunity to speak to their families and speak over them. God will open doors for you if you're willing to separate yourself. You remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he wanted to follow him and Jesus said, just long story short, you know, sell what you have, give to the poor and follow me. 
Jesus was saying, separate yourself from the things you've worshipped. I will be the one you worship now. And the Bible says he couldn't do it. And yet we see a little man like Zacchaeus who had much wealth as well. And Zacchaeus didn't even have to be asked. He said, today, Jesus, whatever I have, I give back. He made a choice because he had a revelation of who Jesus was. He climbed a tree to elevate himself above what he couldn't see so he could see Jesus. And finally, he was willing to separate himself from the very thing that he had spent his whole life accumulating. I want you to know there's not a limitation in your life today that can hold you back without your approval. We have to get up every day and say, I will not be limited to this paradigm, this thought, this way of living. I'm going to live my life every day, one day at a time, elevating above the things that are limiting me from joy. I spent most of my life in fear, and I fought every day to find joy in my life because there wasn't a lot in my home. I was the laughing kid. I was the middle son. I was the one that wanted to make everybody laugh because there wasn't a whole lot to laugh about. And then I went through deep, dark depression en route to getting born again when I was 20 and a half. And once I got born again, I said, I don't ever want to live under those conditions again. Now, I got hit a couple of times after that, but for most of my life, I just decided I want to be happy. And quite frankly, that was my choice. And you know how hard that is February every year in Oklahoma? It's dead, it's cold, it's windy, it's ugly. And I have to get up every day and go, praise the Lord. Let the S-O-N shine in my life. Come on, son, shine on me. Well, bow your heads, close your eyes. God, thank you for sending Jesus to create a new way for us to live life above our circumstances, above our limitations. But every revelation makes us responsible for the elevation above our crises and difficulties. There are those of you today that you lived your whole life confined and restricted and imprisoned by the opinions of others. You've seen religious people who are miserable out of their minds because they, they're trying to live their life by the law. And they hate every minute of it. As a result of it, we hate being around them. Well, you know, when you get born again, everything's going to change. I wish I could tell you everything was going to change. And over time, it has the opportunity to. The first thing that's really going to change is where you spend eternity. You'll probably walk out of this building or wherever you are right now watching online, and you will not have changed much. In appearance, probably not at all. In behavior, very little, if any at all. Because what will have happened is that as you pray this prayer, the seed of salvation and hope 
love, grace, and mercy is sown in your heart, but it has not blossomed yet. But religious people will say the minute the seed is sown, it should be grown. And that's just not at all true. When I got born again, I had a revelation of my sin and my need for a Savior. When I said yes to Jesus, that was the elevation where I said, I'm going to give this a try. After that elevation, I realized the only way for the revelation I had to come true was a separation from the things that used to pull me down. And it was only the beginning, and I still find myself doing those same things today, separating myself from things that would hold me back because they always come after you. There will always be things and opportunities and temptations and people that will try to hold on to you and keep you from your destiny. Not because they're mean people. They're like you were, desperate, looking for hope. So I want all of you to pray this prayer with me today. It's a prayer of repentance and salvation. And just want to ask you to pray it with me. Those of you watching online and everyone in here, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I choose today to shake off the limitations of my humanity and believe in your deity that you live in me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.